You're listening to the Martin Houston Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Alabama first and 10 on the 12. Again, Houston. He's got a hole. He's over. Alabama touchdown. I'm just wondering if your listeners know how good a football player you were. I can still see you playing that fullback, knocking those players out of the way. I believe I could have run behind you. Martin, I can remember when we came to center and you were playing fullback up there. And I saw you in the weight room and watched the watched workout in the weight room. If you could pick up, you were strong enough to pick up the whole weight room. I wanted to fix it and I run him back first thing back Biggest, biggest mistake we ever made. The Martin Houston Show with national championship winning fullback Martin Houston. Giving you one hour of intense, hard-hitting analysis from an insider's perspective. It's time for the Martin Houston Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome to the Martin Houston Show on 100.9 on your radio show page. Fan page on Facebook at Martin Houston 35. At Houston 35. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning and we are ready to get rolling. Hopefully you are as well. Give us a call on 205 Give us a call on the Taco Casa hotline. Taco Casa, quality, taste, value under the biggest cactus in town. Doing it the right way for 46-plus years and counting. And that is Taco Casa dine-in, drive-through, and carry-out. Stop by for lunch and or dinner. Six locations in Tuscaloosa, Northport, the West Alabama area to better serve you. Also, one location up in Birmingham off a of Lakeshore Drive. That's Taco Casa, quality, taste, and value. Remember that this is the day that the Lord has made, so let's rejoice and be glad in it. Take some time today to notice someone, love someone, serve someone, be the difference you want to see in the world today. All right, we got a great show lined up for you. We'll be getting in touch with DC, DC Capstone Report here in uh, the second quarter. But until then, the phone lines are open for you to engage, and if you didn't get to uh, get your good, bad, and ugly uh, on yesterday or your players of the game, you still have an opportunity to do so. Other topics that we'll be looking at today. Uh, also, what's your biggest concern after week two? Is it the defense, or is it, as we were going off the air yesterday, Curtis Moore, uh, the second, brought up, that um, is the running game concerning. Should we be concerned with our running game? Or was Texas A&M just a better team? Should we be concerned with penalties? I mean, all of the false starts and mistakes. I think we had one drive where we had about four penalties in a row. Uh, I mean, uh, four penalties on one drive, like three in a row. It was kind of crazy as you were watching that. And is that because of crowd noise or lack thereof, I should say, of crowd noise and defense is able to pull people off? Should penalties be a concern? Uh, I mean, the rumors are not the rumors, but the, the, the call outs and the requests for 
Pete Golding's job uh, starting to ramp up. Uh, there's even an article uh, on Tide 109 asking uh, that question or asking more of a question about why Charlie Strong would not necessarily be the replacement for Pete Golding this year and why he would stay as an, stay as an analyst even if Pete Golding were to leave the team. We can talk about takeaways. We can talk about grades. We can talk about Saban versus, versus Kiffin. All of that dealing directly with Alabama. But we also, uh, if you want, we can talk about other SEC schools, other SEC programs, what they have going on in terms of uh, the, um, I guess, non-SEC related. Uh, you may want to even talk about the big Miami Clemson game. Is Miami legit? We'll find out this weekend. So all of that is up. On the docket, if you want to bring it up, talk about it. Uh, this is the Martin Houston Show, your show, your team, your team, the Sound of Alabama Sports. We're talking to you right now. Uh, good morning, Jacob. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing wonderful. It's good to be in here. Uh, wish it were under better circumstances, but all things considered, good to be in with you, man. Absolutely. Glad you're able to step in and um, be, be read. next man up, as they say. Hey, what's your biggest concern, uh, Jacob, after two weeks of watching Alabama? Or, and, and it may not – when we say concern, let me, let me make sure that I explain concern. Our concerns at Alabama after two weeks, from my viewpoint, Jacob, is uh, first-world concerns, not third-world concerns, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I understand that completely because, for me, it's – not necessarily a concern as much as I just want to see the process, you know, do what it does. And that's get the, the kinks out of the defense. I think the defense is completely fine, has elite pieces on it. Uh, but I am a little bit concerned with the running game, but only to the degree where it seems that if the blocking's not there, then the play is dead. But if the blocking is good there, then Najee and the other back seem to not be breaking a lot of tackles. But that could be a myriad of things, and I think that that'll probably correct itself over time too. Yeah, you know, I, I think that Texas A&M and uh, I, my, my concerns, as I said, are, are first-world concerns. You, you have to be a little bit concerned with, <clears throat> with penalties. Um, it seems like uh, we thought that uh, the false starts may go away once Jedrick Wheels – had gone on to the NFL, <laughs> but it, it seems that uh, it may not be false starts uh, based on the player. It may just be that right tackle position. Uh, I'm just being funny. Uh, I know Evan Neal got at least one on Saturday as well, but, uh, you know, penalties, uh, Saban has voiced that he's a little concerned with penalties, uh, but th that's mental stuff that you can correct. To me, you can correct a lot easier than if it's a physical thing. So even though penalties are a little bit of a concern, uh, they could hurt you in a critical game. I'm thinking run game and, and defense are the two conversations you have to have. And I'm not as concerned as I think a lot of my listeners and the Bama fans are with the defense. I go back and look at the Missouri game. First half, Jacob, we were totally dominant. Uh, and and I felt we played, you know, winning football in, in the first half. And then I think when you come back to this last game, uh, let me say it, 
Are we still, Jacob, trying to look for um, 2016 and 2009 and 2012 style of defense or statistical defense? Are we still trying to find that uh, in the same way? Is that what we're looking for? Is that why our defense sometimes seems to get hit a little harder than than statistically what what what's really happening? I think that a lot of Alabama fans do look at it that way. They they know that Saban expects perfection, and they do too, and that's completely fair. Uh, but I think the definition of perfection is has changed in a drastic way defensively. Um, not to toot my own horn or pat myself on the back, but I wrote an article on Todd 109 that you can check out now detailing why defense, you know, perfection just isn't what it used to be. And I call back to to what I've heard you say before. Holding a team to 17 points is practically a shutout these days. You're not going to be able to slow down every offense. There's there's too many things going for the offenses these days. Yeah, when you look at it and, and you, yeah, you, you, you hit it, I, I, I literally – you know, 14, 17 points in today's football game uh, is about the equivalent uh, of, of a shutout. And then the other part, if we were to really take out all of our blowout games, meaning if we were to line up our defense uh, when, the, when the game is in question, how many games have we really, really played bad on defense? Now, now here's the problem. We have played bad when we've had the close game. We have played bad when we played uh, the Clemsons. And I guess that's that may be the other part. When you play the big-time games, Auburn last year, uh, Clemson the year before, LSU, those three games really uh, is what, what the measuring stick is all about. And in those three games, we have totally, totally uh, come up short in, in those three games. So when you look at it from that standpoint, it, it's a big time deal. Let's go ahead and get to Curtis Lewis on the phone. Uh, Curtis, uh, I t- Curtis, Curtis, Curtis grades our, our defense the same way Nick Saban uh, expects his process to be followed. So Curtis, you're in with the Martin Houston show. What's on your mind, man? Hey, hey Martin, how you guys doing this morning? You're doing good. Well, good. Now, my concern, as always, and everybody knows this, is the defensive play calling and Pete Golden, okay. of course. And I think that the reason that we done so well against Missouri in the first half is because Missouri was not ready for what we put out there. But once Missouri made their adjustment and got situated with what we were calling on the defensive play calling, they went right ahead and done what they needed to do. Unfortunately, we did not change what we were doing on our play calling. So, therefore, it looked like we fell back. And we did fall back because we didn't make the adjustments to what Missouri adjusted to. And in the second game, of course, as usual, our play calling did not make the changes to what the offense was doing against us. We should be setting what is needed to be done against these offenses, not just sitting and waiting for them to do what they're going to do and then react to it. That's not what a good defense does. A defense makes you change your way of thinking because we're going after either your quarterback or we're taking away your best player that you've got. And a lot of times, like with Texas A&M, their best two players were the tight end and that little running back who used to be a wide receiver coming out the backfield. 
We made no adjustments all game long for these two guys. As a matter of fact, at one point, we actually put our linebacker, Moses, on that dad blame running back coming out the backfield. And even Moses looking around as if to say, what the heck am I doing on this guy? There's no yeah. reason I should be covering him. And he shouldn't have been. And so Evan said he shouldn't have been. The only person that didn't agree was Pete Golding. Yeah. So, hey, again, these are the things that we have got to fix. And it's not our players on defense. Our, we've got fantastic players. we got the best players on defense we could possibly have or anybody in this country can have. But if you put the best player out there in a in la-la land, he's not going to get you anything. He's out of position. So we've right. got to get better play calling. And I know Saban sees it, and it's obvious that Saban sees it. But I got a feeling, like I said yesterday to Mr. Moore <laughs> on the on thread, we're going to see a change. And we're going to probably see a change by the fifth game. I'm not worried about Georgia because Georgia cannot do anything but run the ball. That little quarterback of theirs can't throw deep to save his life. Even if his mama put him in a tote bag and carried him down that field, he can't get that ball down the field. So that's not going to hurt us. Because when we play somebody who has an offensive mind, that's going to hurt us. And that's just not going to be the Georgia game. Hey, Curtis, I back you, to you, Martin. Hold on one second, Curtis. I want you to respond. Okay. I, I think what you're – if I hear you, it, it's, it's that – just the frustration of if you find something that's working against us, then we don't know we don't have the ability to to just to stop that. And, and, and when you play against a team that's as good as you are and have as talented as you are, then there's no separation that happens in the game, and that ends up costing you a la LSU, a la even Auburn, even though they were not a great team, when we made a couple of mistakes, all of a sudden, that made them equal to us. And then, of course, Clemson two years ago, uh, when they found something that was working, it worked the entire game. Is that what your biggest frustration is? That, that is my biggest frustration. I think you're only as good as the person who is working the chess pieces on the board. You can yeah. have nobody's rook is anybody better than this guy's rook. Nobody's pawn is better than this guy's pawn. So it's all up to the guy who's moving the pieces. And our guy that's moving to pieces is not good at all. And that's okay, going to hurt uh, us. It's not going to hurt us in the SEC necessarily, but it is going to hurt us against teams like Clemson and Ohio State, who've got just as equal, better players as we do. It's just that the guys calling the plays, like the Venables out there or the Days out there, those guys can go out there and do things that our defensive coordinator cannot stay up to par on. And we got to have somebody with the ability to move those chess pieces as well, if not better than that other team's guy. Well, Curtis Moore asking you the question, uh, and, and, and you also have to ask this question. One of the questions is, who do you get better than Pete Golding? And I, I think that can be answered fairly easily. But the other question oh, is, very why, easy. Hasn't, why hasn't Saban – is Saban locked in, Curtis – on this guy because he's trying to find his next um, Jeremy Smart, Kirby, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, Kirby Smart, and he handpicked this guy from Texas San Antonio. Is that why he's – because, you know, you and many others have been frustrated all of last year, starting off this year, and then we found out that the frustration down the stretch – 
of the year before was also Pete Golden calling the plays, and we were blaming Tasha Poy. But Saban has Saban seems to be more locked in on him now than before, even though he comes out and says, "Hey, we need to get better at this. We need to get better at communication. We need to get better at getting people in the right sets." He's saying the same thing we are. Changes. Why is that? And that's the question we as fans are asking. I think it's pride. I really think it's pride. Saban doesn't want to sit there and admit that he made a mistake with Pete Golden. And he wants Golden to do, be successful. He wants him to be successful almost to the point where it hurts Saban. And I think the person who's going to make a difference, who Saban is going to actually listen to when he says, Coach, we have got to make a change. This isn't working. It's going to be Moses. Dylan Moses is going to be the guy who's going to come up, I think, or one of the players who Coach listens to, and he's going to say to Coach, hey, we are in the wrong set. We have got to make a change. We have got to get somebody in who will make these calls. I think Saban knows this, but until somebody like Dylan comes out and actually says it, I don't think Saban's going to change because he feels that he has propped up Golden as much as possible by bringing in the Charlie Strong. By having a Kelly, by having a Stoop, by having yeah. a Son Sarah, all on the staff who are great defensive minds whispering in Golden's hair or ear or yelling in his ear, hey, that's not going to work. That's not going to make this play happen. He thinks that at some point in time, Golden's going to change. But Golden hasn't changed yet, and I think Golden's going to make that same change because of the players coming to him and saying we need to make that change. He's going to do it behind the scenes again. And he's going to sit there. We're going to all of a sudden, we're going to say, oh, wow, Golden's doing a great job. Well, I don't think Golden's going to be the man making the call. I think it's going to be Charlie Strong making the call at that point. And we're not going to know it again to the end of the year. We're just going to see a change with our own eyes. All right. It just Thanks, hasn't happened Curtis. yet. I appreciate that insight, Curtis. All right. Coming back on the other side, we'll bring in D.C. If you uh, have called Tom Ellis, Hold on, we'll bring you in with DC as well. You listen to the Martin Houston Show on Tide 100.9 on your radio dial. Thanks to the great folks at Overflow Express Wash. That's overflowexpresswash.com. Tide 100.9 traffic. In the Townsville Nissan Traffic Center, we start our Tuesday morning with a wreck on 2059 westbound at exit 89 at Mercedes. Emergency crews are on the scene. Everything else looking pretty good, but if you see conditions, of course, give us a call. The October deals are amazing. Stop in and experience the magic today at Townsend Nissan. I'm Captain Mark. It's the most famous two words in saving country. Touchdown, Alabama! Well, we were thinking more like... But you can't go wrong hearing either on a football Saturday. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide hit the road to face Ole Miss. Oh, my! Our coverage begins at 2 on your home for Bama football. Alabama football on 95.3 The Bear and Tide 100.9 is presented by Benton Nissan of Bessemer. Right down the road or one click away. And by Cardiology Consultants, Mary's Travel Center, Plastic Surgery of Tuscaloosa, Taco Casa, Tuscaloosa Ford, and Tuscaloosa Tire. The Tide rolls on Tide 100.9 and 95.3 The Bear. A good supply of sunshine for Tuscaloosa today. The high for this afternoon around 83. 
for tonight, mostly fair with a low at 60. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 86. Thursday, increasingly cloudy, a chance of showers by afternoon, the high 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Scott Smith and Softmark Design doing business for 17 plus years, specializing in graphic design services, commercial printing, promotional products, advertising specialties, and so much more. Basically, any and everything you would need to advertise, promote, and grow your business. Through strong partnerships, strong customer service, and creative ideas, they'll help you market and grow your business. Give Scott a call at 205-292-4680 or email scottis at comcast.net and visit them online at softmarkdesign.com. Interact with the Martin Houston Show by calling us at 205-342-9904. Tuning into the Martin Houston Show on Facebook. Here we go. You're back in with the Martin Houston Show on radio on Facebook. Glad that you're up and at them with us once again, man. Great conversation in the first quarter about uh, what's your biggest concern. Uh, still hadn't got to the good, bad, and ugly or the players of the game because that's all the good news. And you know the bad news sales. And there's some fans out there that have some concern over Bama's defense. Curtis Lewis laying out his points uh, on why you should be concerned. We got Ellis and Tom who are going to get in with DC. But first, let's bring in DC, DC Capstone Report. Good morning, DC. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Martin. How are you this morning? Uh, doing great. Uh, doing great. I'm not sure if you were able to hear some of that conversation we had in the first uh, quarter or not. Um, but uh, let, let's get let's go ahead and uh, finish up that topic because I think Ellis and Tom wants to talk about that as well. Talking about uh, what's the biggest concern with this Bama team. And, of course, I always point out, D.C., for the most part, we have first world concerns versus third world concerns. Uh, but it, it, are you as concerned with the defense as some of the fan, other fans out there? Uh, no, I hate to disagree with your uh, callers because you have some very intelligent callers. and They make out some really good cases, but uh, I don't think that uh, I'm concerned, and I don't think that uh, the product that we've seen actually warrants that concern, uh, not even the Texas A&M game. All right, so let's bring in Ellis. Uh, he's been waiting patiently. Ellis, you're in with Martin Houston, Martin Houston Show, and DC, DC Capstone Report. What's on your mind? He said he ain't got no concerns with the defense. He said he doesn't have the same concerns. You respond, D.C. <laughs> I said that's exactly correct. Man. Well, what, is it that they're just not showing what they got yet? Or is this <laughs> the way it's going to be? No, I, I think that we're in the second game, uh, and they're doing pretty much exactly what I thought would happen. I, I gave uh, a pretty good rundown of what to look for at the very beginning of the year, and I think we're seeing exactly that. I, I think that uh, they're developing. I think they're getting better. I think they're making some mistakes that are fixable, and I, I don't. I'm not concerned that those mistakes can't get fixed. I don't see the commu- same communication issues that we saw last year. A completely different set of issues this year, 
And so I'm I'm more encouraged than I am discouraged about it because I think it's going along the path that I expected. I don't expect that we'll peak on defense the the fourth or fifth game of the year. I just don't I don't see that concern uh, that the, most of the callers and most Alabama fans. I think Alabama fans uh, in general are in uh, you know over over time have become very uh, I guess uh, you know, expected of. Uh, stopping and, and, and being dominant, and, and that hadn't happened the last few years, but I don't think that's a product this year. I think that if you look at the Missouri game in that first uh, first part, we were very dominant. Uh, I think that uh, in the Texas A&M game, if, you look, if you're talking about uh, running the ball, uh, they didn't uh, do a very good job running the ball. We stopped the run. I think our defensive coaches have done a good job on the line. And I think we're young in the secondary, and that youth sometimes uh, and inexperience causes uh, breakdowns on plays. We had breakdowns on plays and several things against Texas A&M that caused them to gain yardage. So I just I think those things are fixable. It's not that we don't we can't fix our defense. So you just said it, young players, and I want to add this pandemic, COVID virus. You know, they didn't get the proper workout. They didn't get the proper practices and stuff like that right there. So I blame it on the pandemic. Uh, not not uh, Pete Golding, but that's what I blame it on is the pandemic, that it, it's, uh, it stunned them a little bit, you know, because they didn't get the proper, you know, like they usually do, the more workouts and all that because they weren't able to. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it. I think the fans not being in full force in the stands is a part of it as well. Momentum is a big thing, and I was at the game, and I can tell you it was not a normal Alabama game against Texas A&M, and there, there is an element there uh, that the fans bring to the game that's different and lacking. So the players, that's the first time they've played in Bryant-Denny Stadium with only 20,000 people there, uh, and I think it's yeah, different for the players. I can't imagine how them young fellas felt going out there and just seeing this 20,000 fans. Uh, there was more than 20,000 at the Georgia and Auburn game, though. But uh, I want to do the, the good, bad, and ugly. Uh, Go the ahead. good was uh, our offense and uh, Matt Jones, uh, the Mechie, uh John Mechie, is that his name, Junior? Yes. And uh, and Jalen Waddle. Uh, the bad was uh, penalties. And then uh, the ugly was, you know, just how the defense is played. But, you know, like I said, it's a pandemic to me that's caused it. But uh, other than that, I ain't got no problem, you know. Uh, I love seeing them pass the ball. I've always wanted to see Alabama – Pass the ball like they're doing now, and I love it. You know, more – and the way Matt Jones throws the ball, he throws it where the guys are – don't even have to slow down. They just catch the ball in stride, and then they're in the end zone. He may throw the prettiest deep ball of any quarterback that Alabama has had consistently. Now, Tua had a pretty spin on it, but I've not seen a receiver have to break stride on a Matt Jones deep ball – over 25 yards going back to last no. year. So, no, I did. Look, what What was that one Jalen Waddle called? What was it, 84 yards? 87. 
Uh, hey, he said, "Y'all, he didn't, he didn't even break stride. I mean, he just kept yeah. on going. Just yep. it landed right." Right where you needed it to, and didn't slow down. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Ellis. Appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, sir. Hey, let's go ahead and get Tom before we get the break here. Tom, you're in with the Martin Houston Show uh, in D.C. with D.C. Capstone Report. What's on your mind? Good morning, Martin. Morning, D.C. First thing, uh, Martin, if you don't mind. Hey, D.C., I really enjoy your website. Uh, and uh, I, I got a kick out of the videos you posted up uh Saturday on the pregame stuff, and uh, I want to give you kudos on your website. Really enjoy it and the podcast. Yeah, appreciate it very much. We, we we put a lot of work into it and effort, and we've got a really good comments recently. And thank you for saying that. We really yeah, it, it shows that uh, you really take uh, pride and attention in it. But uh, my my take on on the defense, and and I, I hear everybody calling in, and I, I appreciate Curtis's comments, but. I don't think that we we give the uh, the responsibility to some of these scores. Uh, I'll take you back to the Auburn game, fourteen points that the uh, the the defense didn't give up. Uh, uh, I, I counted seven against uh, the offense uh, Saturday against A and M that uh, that intercept tilt interception and uh, put them in prime uh, scoring position. Uh, not everything's on the defense, and I think you got to be fair uh, as to who you account some of these uh, scores to, and and not the defense don't give up every score. You know, the offense is responsible for some of them, and I agree with Martin on. Uh, you know, he's been uh, schooling us, saying, you know what, if you can hold somebody 17 points this day and age with the way uh, offenses are run, then you've been pretty much. Uh, 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 pitch the shutout. So 24 take away 717. And, uh, uh, and I want to get y'all's take on that. I'm not, I'm not ready to throw everybody out the door on the defense yet. I, I've seen some youngsters flash and, uh, and I go back to what y'all said first half Missouri game. Uh, that team right there, <laughs> that was a great defense against a good, uh, fairly decent running game. Yeah. Hey, Tom, uh, what we're going to do is so we can get dig into that and not have to cut it short. We're going to carry that conversation over. Okay, I, thanks, Mark, for I, taking I my call. Yeah, I definitely want to make sure we address that, D.C. So on the other side, we'll address uh, Tom's question concerning about uh, is all of this on the defense? Is some of it on, on offense? And I have a question, D.C., that I want you to mull over as we bring that conversation back as well. When our, offense good. Scores, when our offense scores 50 points, it's great offense. When the other team's defense, I mean, offense scores 17 to 20, it's bad defense. Yeah, that's exactly what I was that's, talking about when I was saying that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to elaborate that on the other side of the break. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that as well. Uh, and, hey, listen, if you have concerns, it's because the lens you watch through and your lens may not be wrong. So if you hear me, I'm not telling you our defense doesn't need to get better. Uh, I'm not telling you that our defense shouldn't have you concerned about different things, coverages being broken, miscommunication, as Curtis Lewis said, piece parts not in the right place. I'm not saying that that's not a concern. I'm just saying, is it as big a concern as we're making it out to be? And the biggest question is, 
Will it be exposed when we play against the Georgias, the Miamis, if they were to make it into the playoffs, the Clemsons of the world, Ohio States of the world? Because that is the standard that we need to play to, and that's the question I'm asking. Can this defense become a championship-caliber defense? That conversation coming up on the other side, right here on the Martin Houston Show. Tide 100.9 traffic. The challenge of Nissan Traffic Center. We start our Tuesday morning with a wreck on 2059 westbound at exit 89 at Mercedes. Emergency crews are on the scene. Everything else looking pretty good, but if you see conditions, of course, give us a call. The October deals are amazing. Stop in and experience the magic today at Towns of Nissan. I'm Captain Ray. Hello, this is Martin Houston with the Martin Houston Show, and I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Overflow Express Wash. Their mission is to provide great customer service with a showroom clean car and an exceptional customer service experience. They have the basic car wash that starts at $7, but you need to check out the premium wash packages, which start as low as $12 and go up to $20. They also have a membership wash club that you can get for starting at $23.99, going up to $39.99. In other words, just double the regular premium package, drop a penny, and you can be one of the great members of Overflow Express Wash. My family and I keep our cars looking good inside and out by using Overflow Express Wash. They're located on Skyland Boulevard right next door to Alabama One, or you can find them online at overflowexpresswash.com. Andy Phillips and his team look forward to making you a part of their team. Nick Saban calls it the process. John Maxwell said that everything rises and falls on it. And Coach Wooden said, it's what you learn after you think you know it all that makes the difference. What am I talking about? Leadership and personal development. Is your organization, your school, your church, your family, are they receiving the proper level of leadership development and personal development? If not, the Empowerment Center for Leadership and Mentoring can help you with that. We have our pep talks, which is a one to one and a half hour lunch and learn, which we can customize to meet your needs. Or we have some topics that we present that we know can help your organization. And if you're looking for one-on-one mentoring and coaching, we can also assist you with that. Visit peptalks35.com. That's peptalks35.com. Or send an email to martin at martinhouston.org. That's the Empowerment Center for Leadership and Mentoring. Welcome back to the Martin Houston Show. The sound of Bama sports. Your show. Your team. On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Martin Houston Show. It's a beautiful morning. Time to kick off the second half with DC, DC Capstone Report. DC, as we were going to break, Tom was. Uh, asking questions about this defense. You and I were talking about the defense and what we have going on there. And uh, uh, Chuck Hunt uh, brought a little levity to the program. He said, uh, at least there's one thing that we know for sure, we're not speculating, is that Oklahoma will not be in the playoffs. (laughs) So so Alabama fans, uh, it could be worse. But, uh, no, seriously, D.C., D.C. Capstone Report. You can find me at dccapstonereport.com, freelancepitchers.com, 
uh, Bama.com sponsoring that. DC, tell our listeners real quick what you got, uh, uh, what you focus them on on this week's podcast. Yeah, well, this podcast, this week's podcast is already up. It's on the Facebook page at DC Capstone Report. It's also up at dccapstonereport.com. Uh, and then you can check out the, all the pictures that we took and the, the videos we took of the Texas A&M game at freelancepictures.com. They're free to you to download any of those pictures you'd like. And and I just, just got a great preview of the upcoming game against Oak, Oak, Ole Miss, and we have a good review discussing some of the things that were discussed on the show today about uh, the game against Texas A&M. All right, we're going to hit the defense real quick, and then we'll move on to a different conversation. Uh, D.C., um, of course, you know, you've heard different callers on here. You've heard different people. There's articles out there to both sides uh, of this, this, you know, play calling versus uh, scheme versus recruits. And I can say the last two years, I, I would give some of that communication, some of the, the things we weren't able to do to – the, the, the Jimmys and the Joes because we had, you know, key players down. We had two freshmen playing last year. So you were limited on your schemes and uh, and where you, as uh, Curtis Lewis put, where you put your chess pieces. This year we have a guy who started all the games last year. We have a, a, a fourth-year guy coming back. So we should be better scheme-wise, schematic-wise, and all of that. But we are still having a few communication issues. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think that the youth and the inexperience in the secondary, as I pointed out way before the season started, was going to be the weakest link this year. And I think we've seen that, in the, in the, especially in the Texas A&M game. I don't think it's something to be overly concerned about because I believe that it was intentional this week to stress the, the, the secondary. What I mean by that, I, I know for a fact that the defensive scheme coming in was not let Kelly Mond beat you with extending the plays with his leg. That was what they wanted to do. He'd done that before. They wanted to keep him in the pocket. That's why you didn't see him running wild down the field as he's done in the past against Alabama. Their their defensive scheme worked to that extent. But when you do that, Martin, you put the extreme pressure on your uh, on your uh, uh, defensive backs because uh, when you're playing to keep someone in the pocket and not rushing and putting pressure on the quarterback as much, uh, they have more time to throw the ball and they have to beat you with their arm. Well, there were some breakdowns in this in this game, but those breakdowns didn't come because we were in the wrong defense. It was because the, we had the wrong people making the wrong adjustments based on motion. Coach Saban spoke about it after the game. He spoke about it in his press conference. He was consistently saying uh, we have some things that we can teach. Those things can be learned. Those things can be corrected. Uh, those weren't coaching errors. Those were individual players making the wrong move in a certain uh, scheme. Uh, and he said, hey, yesterday he said, we've taught that. They, it's not that they don't know. They know. They just didn't execute. Those things can be fixed. That's why I'm telling you, the game plan we have for Texas A&M was one to, to do, to put the stress, and he knew that, put the stress on the defensive backs. And I think that helps. That's going to be a learning experience. I believe in the fourth or fifth week, we'll see a different Alabama defensive team because of it. All right. And and I can see, you know, sometimes scheme puts certain situations. My only uh, pushback on that would be uh, it's the coach's responsibility to, to teach. And if, if we're consistently – because we were at the end of last year, we were still making the same – like adjustment mistakes. And I know we didn't have a spring practice with the five guys. So that's why I'm 
I saw some things that were disheartening that looked like last year. I know they were trying to do that. My question is, we didn't get it corrected all of last year. Was that the coaching or was that the the players? And that's still up to the debate for me because now we have different players. Uh, and if the coaches can't get it and they can't get it done, then I'm going to start putting it all, all of it right at the coach's feet because I think we have – more experienced players up front uh, in teaching, and I think you expect the coaches to teach these players, and you expect to see improvement. So this week against Ole Miss, and let's, let's transition to that, this week against Ole Miss, we're going to be stressed and stretched and uh, schemed and tricked, and you know he, he's going to have stuff that he hadn't even done on film because he'll draw it up on the sideline. This week, our DBs will have to be better at making those switches, D.C., or we're going to see Ole Miss make some plays. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss is going to beat Alabama, but they'll make some plays that will have us having the same conversation next week. I agree 100%. This is a game that's, that's poised to really, really stretch the field. And I think that uh, if you're if a fan out there thinks that Alabama is going to go in and hold Ole Miss to zero points or 17 points, that's – that's not a realistic expectation with a Lane Kiffin coach team. I think that we're good, uh, in the in the era that uh, that type of style of offense, uh, we're going to give up more points than that. But I, I don't think that Ole Miss is going to threaten to beat us in this game. I think we're going to win the game, but we're going to give up points. So I think you got to make sure that you're comparing your your defensive performance uh, against the right comparison. Don't compare them against the 2009 defense or the 1992 defense. You're going to compare them against defenses in our area today that are going up against these high-powered offenses that, that are made to, to stretch and, and stress the defenses. So I think it's going to be a, a good game. I think we'll improve. We look to improve from game to game. We always make a big jump between the second and third game. If you think about it, Alabama's always had a marquee game. They prepared all the year far, and then they had a weaker opponent in the second, uh, second game, and the third game is a better opponent than we always come out and, and, and seem to peak at that point. So I think this year, because of the way things went down with the virus, we're probably peaking in the fourth or fifth game as far as the best that we're going to play during the year. But when you, when you go back, I think everybody's trying to pick at the bad part because they have a, a belief in what they think Pete Golden is based on his past performance, and they're not giving him credit uh, for some of the good things that he's done because of some of the good coaches around him. I think Coach Saban was consistently trying to keep our staff together and, and bringing on Freddie Roach has made a tremendous difference in the defensive line play. Uh, so I, I think that that those are positive things that we can look for him to build. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, and we we need to learn and correct them. The, the penalties are bad. The, the blown plays are bad. I'm not saying it's not something to say, hey, that's bad. I'm saying it's not something to get alarmed about to the point of, hey, the season's gone down like Oklahoma's or Texas' season. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you could always be uh, one of those guys uh, instead of Alabama. Uh, everything we're discussing is third world problems. Uh, this team is good enough definitely to get to that top level. Hey, DC, let's go ahead and get the break here and come back on the other side. We'll have some rapid fire questions uh, from this past week's game as well as a preview of this Saturday's weekend. 
Tide 100.9 Traffic. The Towns of Nissan Traffic Center authorities are still working to clear the wreck on 2059 westbound at exit 89 near Mercedes, so use caution. Minor congestion on McFarland eastbound at Rose Boulevard. If you see other conditions, just give us a call. Come experience the magic of the October deals today at Towns of Nissan, and they need your trade. I'm Captain Ray. Here's what's trending on the Tuscaloosa thread. Good morning. Polls open at 7 this morning for the city of Northport's two runoff elections. Either Jamie Dykes or Michael Doherty will become the District 4 Council representative. The lone citywide race between former Mayor Bobby Herndon and former homicide investigator Dale Phillips. Polls will close at 7 this evening. Hurricane Delta churning along, moving into the Gulf of Mexico this morning with 100 mile per hour winds. Computer models continue to take the system toward a central Gulf Coast landfall. Keep up with local news on TuscaloosaThread.com. I'm Don Hartley. Hello, this is Martin Houston with the Martin Houston Show. And I want to tell you about Tuscaloosa Custom Carving. If you're looking for a way to add value to your home, make your flower beds pop, make your landscaping stand out from your neighbors, then Tuscaloosa Custom Curbing can help you do just that. They have numerous styles, but they feature the Moroccan Stone Curb Series, which includes four great styles and unlimited color choices. That's Tuscaloosa Custom Curbing. They are the one that can help you stand out from your neighbors. Tuscaloosa Custom Curbing, 205-331-6823. You may also find yourself with the need for a custom size stone or, or custom shaped stone. Then Tuscaloosa Custom Curbing can help with that as well. Paul Fuller and his team are waiting on your call right now for that free quote. And if you tell them that Martin Houston with the Martin Houston Show told you to stop by, you'll get a big discount. So call Tuscaloosa Custom Curbing at 205-331-6823 or visit them online at Tuscaloosa Custom Curbing, LLC. The sound of Bama sports. Your show. Your team. The Martin Houston Show. On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I live inside my own world of make-believe. You're back in and it's more conversation with DC, DC Capstone Report. DC, let's uh, do some rapid fire real quick. What's your good, bad, and ugly uh, from this week's game? I think good was had to be the passing game and our athletic receivers and quarterback and offensive line. They did a great job of the passing game. I think the ugly had to be uh, the penalties. I, I think that those are things that just shouldn't happen, uh, especially when you don't have a larger crowd noise. So, and the bad uh, had to be the blown plays on defense. Just blow it uh, individually, uh, not not. Having people running open, you just can't have that. Yeah, I had passing game penalties, uh, lack of run game. That's my good, bad, and ugly. I had one more uh, ugly, the Mac Jones celebration dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have any rhythm. That's for sure. He needs to put that back up. <laughs> that, that, that's, my, that's my ugly for the week is the Mac Jones. <laughs> but, hey, what, what about your players of the game uh, from an offensive standpoint? Well, my, my players, stand out players of the game from an offensive standpoint were, were Mac Jones. I think he did a great job of uh, leadership in this game, throwing the deep ball, you know, bringing us back, coming back, and not getting in his head after that uh, tip ball interception. Uh, then John Mechie, just uh, being a breakout game for him, it really bodes well for having a third wide receiver that teams had to prepare for, especially being a deep threat like that. And then Jalen Waddle, I mean, uh, fastest guy that uh, – I've, I've seen quickness of being able to burst the speed. So those are my offensive guys. They, they did so, so good in this game for sure. 
What about from a defensive, a defensive Defensive players of the game were – I had one that uh, kind of people think is under, under the radar, but I watched the line of scrimmage a lot because I love to watch the trenches. And, and Darian Mathis did a great job in this game. And I think his emergence has uh, caused and allowed Justin Aborgby and, and uh, uh, Byron Young to really up their game and, and play as well. So I think he's been good for that whole defensive line. I think Malachi Moore – a freshman did a great job in the defensive backfield. He had his guys covered most every time uh, that you could tell. Even when it, even when they didn't get the ball, he was still in the right position, the right play. He made a great interception in the, in the end zone. And I, I like Christopher Allen's play. Uh, you know, Christopher Allen is really up to his game, more athletic, getting getting some uh, good plays in, and has been able to to uh, pressure the quarterback a lot better than I thought he could. So I, I really like those three on, on defense. Yeah, I think Christopher Allen has played well, uh, you know, uh, considering we, that was a question mark. I think he's played well also. I had Daniel Wright uh, playing well in that game. Um, and then, of course, the big INT and then the obvious people on the, um, the offense was, was pretty, pretty easy to look at. Let's look forward to this week. Uh, Kiffin becomes assistant number 21 to step up to the plate. Uh, to face Nick Saban and this Alabama team, what does what does Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss team have to do? Ole Miss wins if if they do what? Well, Ole Miss wins if uh, they play like they have nothing to lose. They don't make any mistakes. They get explosive plays that end in touchdowns. Alabama fumbles the ball and throws interceptions and plays poor defense. I think that's what happened if Ole Miss can win this game. Believe me, right, yeah. uh, Nick Lane Kiffin wants to be the first Nick Saban assistant to beat him. He wants it. He's going to do yeah. anything, and you got to watch for everything in the kitchen sink to be thrown at Alabama in this game. So just be yeah, ready. He, There's going to be some explosive plays in this game. He can make he could make this game very interesting, or it could end up backfiring, and we absolutely annihilate them because I think, as you said, I think he's going to throw the kitchen sink, the bathroom tub, and in uh, uh, the toilet <laughs> at, at Alabama to try to get this win. It's 2020. Why not? Um, oh, Ole Miss actually leading the SEC uh, in offense. Uh, so uh, overall, uh, they're sitting at number one for total yards. They're at 536 yards per game, uh, D.C. So, uh, and Alabama was fourth, giving up 21.5 points per game. Something has to give, uh, and we'll we'll see which one that is. 381 81 yards passing per game for Ole Miss. So they're going to be challenged. Our defense will be challenged. So we'll we'll see what what happens there. Let's flip over to Alabama. What what do you have, Alabama? Uh, keys to victory for this week. I think Alabama on defense just has to survive the lane kipping onslaught, whatever it is. Be ready for anything. Uh, stay in their lanes, play their game, stay in the right coverages. Don't make any mistakes and, and uh, get some turnovers. I think there'll be turnovers that'll be available to get in this game. Um, I think Alabama on offense needs to not abandon the running game because Ole Miss gave up 408 yards to Kentucky on rushing. 408 yeah. yards. There's, there's yards to be gained. Uh, in this in this game, running the ball, and we can do that. Our middle line from Deontay Brown, Emil Akior, and Landon Dixon are blowing wide holes up the middle. 
I watched the game Texas A&M. You say you're discouraged with the running game. It wasn't because we weren't blocking. We had some holes up the middle that, that finally in the end of the game, by, by, uh, Brian Robinson began to exploit uh, running north to south. If we do that in this game, I believe we're going to uh, set the, set up for a great passing game with play-action passing. So uh, they're going to if we exploit the running and they try to come up and stop it, watch for Mac Jones, hit some big plays over the, over the top. If we limit our turnovers, I think we have a great game. And so what's your score? Well, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm picking uh, yesterday on my podcast, I, I picked 52 to tw- uh, 28. Uh, so we'll see uh, how it comes out. I think Alabama, you know, they're averaging – Ole Miss is averaging 40 uh, points a game, I think. Get, get scored 42 at Kentucky. I think they scored 38 in their first game. So they're averaging close to 40 points a game. And, and I think if we hold them to 28, we're doing great in this game. Yeah, and uh, I just I, – I don't know if Nick Saban ever wants to get grudge – but I could see him wanting to run a score up on this guy. Hey, real quick, outside of the uh, Alabama Ole Miss game, uh, are the Canes, Miami Hurricanes, legit? Do they have a chance against the Clemson Tigers? We're going to find out this week. This is the first game that we're going to know whether there's is, is Clemson legitimate and is, uh, is uh, Miami legitimate. I give Miami a good shot in this game simply because I don't think Clemson's been tested very often playing in the ACC. Uh, this early in the season, uh, so I'm 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 thinking if there's anybody going to trip them up, it'll be Miami this week. All right, what about you? Does, does Texas A&M bounce back against Florida? Uh, give Florida any type of resistance? I think uh, Texas A&M gives Florida a, a really good game uh, this this week. And, you know, Texas A&M had some really good players up front. They had some good offensive line. They had a good uh, good running back, a good tight end. So I think if they can uh, contain them defensively. Uh, then they have a good shot at, at, at staying with Florida. Florida's pretty tough, though. They, they have a really good, really good game plan that they might come out ahead. All right, and the last and final question I have for you, D.C., is Tennessee versus Georgia. Well, that's going to be a great matchup. You know, I, I think that uh, Georgia has a really good team, but they're coming off a big victory over Auburn. Uh, and, and Jeremy Pruitt has got this Tennessee team playing well. they got some good players. I'm looking for Tennessee to, to pull the upset this week and beat Georgia. I think Georgia's going to be looking ahead to play Alabama. Well, uh, Jeremy Pruitt trying to keep that win streak going, leading SEC and maybe the nation, eight-game win streak. Uh, a lot of people think this may be the week and the year for Tennessee to become relevant again. All right. Uh, a bonus upset, Martin. Don't don't sleep on the Arkansas team uh, uh, playing Auburn this week. Auburn better be ready. Yeah, Auburn needs to get some <laughs> offense. All right, that's DC DC Capstone Report. You can find them at dccapstonereport.com. For the Martin Houston Show, we say so long. We'll see you on tomorrow. Remember this: trust in the Lord always. Lean not in your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Thanks, DC. Thanks, Jacob. Roll Tide, and we'll catch you on the other side. Let's all celebrate and have a good time.